It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Brewing. You know, each week we talk about sports topics on Thursday, and usually we get into some Bengals, and tonight obviously is all Bengals-centric, and... uh Boy, Rick, I wish we had other sports topics to talk about tonight, but we don't. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty going on in Cincinnati. We yes, can there figure is. out to talk yes. about, but that's just not the point of this Bengals post-game podcast after the Cincinnati men fall 41 to 16 at home to the Cleveland Browns. They are now five and four after being five and two on atop the entire AFC. And next up is the bye week, skinny. They're gonna have to get right here. Let, let me ask you this to start off. Were you more concerned by the offense and Burrow's interceptions or the play of the defense after that game? Uh, you know, this is going to be a cop. I'm going to say both. Um, the Burrow interceptions are starting to get a little troublesome. Uh, I wrote about that. And we talked about it on the podcast during the week um, of some of those being fluky and some of those being, you know, not him, but some of them being him and him owning up to some of them. And today it kind of was 50 50 in that regard. You know, the, the second one, Denzel Ward makes a good play on. Um, maybe he shouldn't have thrown the slant to Jamar Chase there the way he threw it, but the first one was clearly on him. The pick six is clearly he was late with the throw. He stared Chase down. He threw it inside to where Denzel Ward didn't really have to make a big jump to pick it off. So th- that that that's the part that's troublesome to me. I mean, he leads the NFL in interceptions, and there's no mistaking. Listen, there are some fluky things that happen. There's tip balls. There's balls off receivers' hands. There's the one in Chicago where he, you know, he literally got back to pass and they're in his face and he's trying to, you know, handle it. It kind of flubbed out of his hands. It was probably more of a fumble than an interception. And there's some of those. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's 11 now in, in, uh, in nine games, and that's a bit troublesome. I mean, I don't think he's a gunslinger and a risk taker, and that's the part that's even more troublesome. But to me, it's the defense the last two weeks, Rick, because – of the way it's happened the week before was dink and dunk dink and dunk 511 yards a handful of yards per play not many passing yards on air broken tackles all those things this week it was not only broken tackles but it was 7.8 yards per play is what the browns averaged they bust a touchdown for 70 yards on a run and they bust a 60 yard touchdown pass to donovan peoples jones that's the thing if it's you know if it was one of those where you're like all right, they're figuring out how to beat this defense and okay, he's got to fix this. This was two different ways in which they just got torched. And yeah, the yardage for the Browns doesn't look big because part of it was they scored on a 99-yard interception return and two turnovers set up six other points. But the defense was awful today. So I'm I'm going more to the defense. How about you? Let's start on the defensive side because I thought that was the bigger concern too. We'll talk more about Burrow, but overall, I think Burrow will figure it out. I think most people have confidence in Burrow and the Bengals' future with him at quarterback. I do, I, I, I do too, obviously. Yeah, I do and, too. You ha- and you have to point out the fact that he did have 199 pass attempts without an interception, dating back right. to last season, going into this year at one point. And you know, he and only there had- were a bunch of drops. And there were a bunch of drops today. He was thir- he was 28 of 30, Rick. And I know at least five drops off the top of my actually four drops is how I wrote it. Four drops off the top of my head. So factor that in. That's 32 of 40. That's pretty damn good. Right. And he only threw five and 10 games last year as a right. rookie while he was dropping back 40 times a game and getting pressure from every direction, you know, no multi interception games last year. So he had a history prior to the last several games of 
being really good at protecting the football. And now all of a sudden there's a little bit of a trend developing here. And we could talk more about that as we go, but with the defense that definitely concerned me more. I think the biggest part of it, I mean, there were missed tackles again, which a major problem against Nick Chubb, but a lot of teams have trouble tackling Nick Chubb. The problem for the Bengals is it's been back-to-back weeks where it's been an issue. But to me, I'm most concerned about the fact that back-to-back weeks now, we saw them unable to adapt to a scheme that the opposing team was using against them. The Jets, it was the short passing game. They were just giving up the middle of the field, everything underneath. And with the Browns, I mean, watching them try to defend those running plays with Nick Chubb, not just the missed tackle part, but like they'd have a pulling tackle and he'd be coming down with no one to block except for like right. a safety because they had outmanned the Bengals so easily and, and out schemed them. I mean, their offensive line was dividing, making walls and tunnels out of the middle of the Bengals defense, and they were just totally overmatched. Like they had no answer for the running scheme that was coming at them. And uh, well, uh, for uh, me, uh, that uh, concerns uh, me about Lou Anaruma. Yeah, not, not not to cut you off completely, but um, I remember one play, and it might be the play you're talking about, where they had, I think, three tight ends in the game. It was in the fourth quarter, and the game was over. But they switched them all. They kind of like, they took all three of those guys, and they moved them all from the left to the right. And it was literally, guys, we're going to run this way. And, you're, and it was almost a message from Kevin. I'm going to guess it was probably a message. Because you know that stuff goes in the league. Sometimes it's like, we're going to tell you what we're going to do. And if you can't stop us, guess what's going to happen the next time you play us? We're going that same route. And they moved those three tight ends from the left to the right. They all sat there. And I think the play you're talking about, because I remember the tackle pulling around. I'm like, oh, my word. They've got them outnumbered, and they are just kicking their ass. And here he comes. It wasn't a huge gain. It was, you know, 12, 15 yards. It's a big enough game, mind you. But it was one of those ones where you're like, oh, my word. They just imposed their will, and you had no stop. No answer that. And yes, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm a little disappointed in Lou Anaruma the last two weeks. And um, some of it is also on the players for missing tackles and not maybe. I saw a lot of misconfusion or a lot of miscommunication, excuse me, today, where I saw Jermaine Pratt a couple of times pointing to guys to go one way and he messed up another way and they messed up another way. There was a lot of, we saw a timeout because they couldn't get the right personnel group on the field, right? And what happened on the next play? Nick Touchdown. Chubb goes 70 yards off of that. That's not good for anybody, players and coaches alike. And it's still the buck still stops at the coach, and that's Luana Rumo. And listen, I'm the first to tell you, I'm a big fan of the guy. I think he's a good coordinator. I think he's a good coach. But last two weeks have not been a good look on him by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, along those same lines, I think it was on a play where Chubb scored one of his touchdowns. They were near the goal line, and the Bengals were substituting. A bunch of guys ran off the field, and then they start pointing around going, right. hey, we're down. We only got 10. So someone right. runs back onto the field. It was one of the Too safeties late. right as like the almost as the ball's being snapped. And it's like that just that type of unorganized stuff is something I thought the Bengals were over this year. That would yeah, have been no, something that I'm was really nice to see about this team as they were winning games early is there weren't a lot of dumb penalties. There weren't a lot of unorganized looking moments from the sidelines. So that's been a concern. The The fact that they haven't been able to adjust to what the other teams are doing and imposing against them is a concern. And then also skinny giving up these big chunk plays, especially when they're like, there's times they're only rushing three guys and they're dropping eight back and they're yep. giving up a big chunk play. And it's like, 
the whole idea of this defense, it seemed like early on, was that you weren't going to do that. You might get some stuff and dinked and dunked underneath to death a little bit, but you were going to bend but not break, keep the ball in front of you, and not give up the big plays. Well, now all of a sudden, they're giving up big plays left and right, and part of that's because they're not tackling, but part of it's also just because they're getting beat still, even with all these guys dropping back. I, I don't understand why they're so hesitant to rush the passer. Yeah, and and I think the whole process is they want to get home with four. They got home with four early in the season. They thought they can get home with four. Um, DJ Reader, Larry Ogunjobi, I think you'll agree with me on this, have not been great the last two weeks either. Um, no, so BJ Hill them. was honestly the best defensive lineman. Yeah, today. right, right, right. Or or H- Hubbard was pretty good at times. Hubbard had his in, moments, yeah. Yeah, in flashes. But yeah, I think you're right. Um, so some of that is on the players. Again, I'm not absolving Lou Anarumo. I, I don't want that to be this podcast of me taking up for Lou Anarumo. But some of it's on the players, too, where, listen, they're asking you to get home with four. You can't get home. Some of it, they're getting out of their hands quickly. Some of it, yeah, there was one play where where um, uh, one of the reporters asked me uh, where where Trey Hendrickson dropped. I'm like, wait a minute, why is he dropping? I said, well, it's what they do on occasion. Somebody who's new to the beat, and I went, they, they, they occasionally do it. I'm not telling you I agree with it, but – they occasionally do it, but they were only rushing three, and they still hit a big pass play. Um, you know, I'll be honest, too, some of it, Rick, the two safeties who who Zach Taylor called the best tandem in the league two weeks ago, and I wasn't sure he wasn't wrong, or, or rather not right on that. Jesse Bates and Von Bell have just not been very good. They're well, just, I, and, especially, and especially Jesse especially Bates. Jesse Bates. Yes, yeah. correct, and that's disappointing because I get if whatever – you know, I know he hit Donovan Peoples-Jones hard late in the game where he came across and tried to knock one loose, and I'll give him credit for that because that was not a business decision. He could have just said to hell with it. I'm not getting myself hurt, and he launched himself and could have gotten himself hurt, and he knocked the kid out, and that's okay. It was not a dirty play, but he's just not been very good. He's cost himself a bunch of money right now. Yeah, and you know Von Bell is somewhat limited to begin with. Yes, he's right. decent against the run, not great in coverage, and we know that. Terrible. But Jesse Bates is a guy, you know, we're talking about pro bowler, all pro type of guy, one of the better safeties in the league. He's not playing anywhere near that no. level right now. And, you know, Von Bell and Eli Apple, when they're paired up on the same side Ugh. of the field, that's a disaster. Ooh, they were responsible for the the long touchdown for um I'm still trying to figure out what the coverage Peoples was. Yeah, because I'm trying to figure out where, where was Von Bell supposed to have the flat or the 15-yard curl route? Yeah. Was he supposed to run deep? And, and granted, listen, hey, I'm not ex- I'm not absolving Eli Apple. And I and when I wrote my piece tonight, one of the parts was he got burned on that play because he was still the one that was running down the field with him. Yeah. But I don't know if I don't know if that was Von Bell supposed to have deep help there. I, I don't know the answer to that. I really well, don't. Von Bell was the safety in that position, and he misread the underneath route. He came up hard on the underneath route yes, for some reason, yeah. and that guy really wasn't even open to begin Dude. with. And and by the way, you've got a guy running a go route right past you. Like, stay with that. Stay with the deep guy, obviously, in that situation. But Eli Apple got his doors blown off so bad on that Ugh. play, too, that I don't know if it mattered if you had safety help. It's going to be no, that's right. hard, right. hard to make up point. for that. I mean, there was good so point. much separation. So, again, those two in the same spot together are just – a disaster if you want to pick on them. And and Eli Apple had two missed tackles on the long Nick Chubb runs. He was involved yep. in that play for the 60-yard touchdown for Peoples-Jones. It, just another banner day for him out there at the quarterback spot. I know we've talked at times that, hey, you're not noticing him as much, so he, no, he's got to play a little bit better. But recently, he's been a major problem as the defense has started to struggle again. It seems <laughs> R- like teams have found a way to exploit him. Yeah, Rick, and I had somebody today before the game started that said um, – at what point does Vernon Hargrave start? And I said, um, this was before the game. I said, uh, after the bye. And I'm going to guess that Vernon Hargraves, who just got signed off the Texans after he got cut, he started six games for them. 
it's not very good when you get cut by the Texans, but I'm thinking, yeah, maybe after the bye. I mean, this cat's not good. Eli yeah. Apple's struggling badly. I mean, you got to try anyone different. off the street at this point, right? right? You can't right. be worse than Eli Apple. Right. right. That's right. No, that's right. The soft middle of this defense, we've seen it in back-to-back weeks where it just seems like they're wide open in the middle of the field. They're slow. They're soft. What, what do you attribute that to? Do you think it's a, a scheme issue right now? Or do you think we're seeing a little bit of that lack of linebacker talent that we some people were concerned with before the season? Yeah, I think the latter. And there was a play today, and I wish I could remember who caught it, but there was a kind of a slantish, inish route. Gosh, I wish I could remember when the play was. And you may remember it as soon as I spark your interest in this. But Logan Wilson was right there, and they had a guy bracketed. And, and to Baker's credit, Baker threw a dart. I mean, it was a bullet in between coverage. But when you go back and look at it, Logan Wilson took a step like he read it, and he was a step late to where he missed it. And I'm going to tell you, Rick, if he'd have taken a step earlier and caught it, it was a pick six. I mean, literally, it was a pick six. I don't have the play in front of me, and I'm so sorry for that, and that's a shame on me. Maybe people can can know what I'm talking about or go back and look. But that was one where I thought, man, Logan, that's the plays you were making early in the year. Why are you not making them now? Because he did make them early in the year, and this was one he should have made, and he didn't. And it's just not it's not good. And listen, I think he's been great for the most part, or good at the very – I mean, great's a relative turn. He's been really good for the most part. I'm not so sure the rest of the linebackers have been good. I mean, you know, Jermaine Pratt's okay, and Kim Davis-Gaither, I'm sorry he got hurt, is okay, and – you know, you don't have Jordan Evans and Marcus Bailey came in a little bit. I mean, Logan Wilson's like is literally it at this point. And again, he made a, a play I thought he should have made. But yeah, I think we're seeing that for sure. Yeah. And the thing about Logan Wilson, it, it, to the point that you're making about him being a step slow, it seems like that happens a lot. And I think what happens there is he's not a great athlete. You know, he is a little bit slower. And for your best linebacker to not be a top tier athlete, that can have it's an hard. impact on your defense. Right. It's you know, hard. Yeah, it's he's just not covering quite as much ground. He is a step slow on things, I think. So I like him. I think he's a nice player, but it's not great when he's heads and shoulders above any other linebacker on your team. No, I agree with that part. Um, I'm I'm a big fan. I think he's a guy that if you had better guys around him, you go, damn, that guy's really good. He's really good because other guys are really good around him. He's he's okay. Okay, let's switch sides to the offense and talk about this Joe Burrow interception thing. How much it's does, real? It's a thing. Um, how much does offensive line, the pressure that he's seen, last none. year's injury factor into this? None. None, in my opinion. I mean, um, you can go back to the Chicago one. Um, yeah, maybe the third one. Remember, he kind of fumbled around where a guy was in his face quickly. But he threw the one to Roquan Smith or whoever it was where he just said he didn't see the linebacker. And that's fine. I get that. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't assume somebody being there. Um, you know, the one today to Denzel Ward, that was not pressure. He went back and went pat, 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 throw it out, intercept. The one to Denzel Ward that tipped over the middle of John Johnson, the safety intercepted, was um, he admitted he they, they, he, he, they were in a coverage that he thought he could could get Jamar to throw a slant, get a slant to a stop. In stop before the safety, he said they call it whatever. I call it lurk 11. I don't even know what that means. And I'm people are, oh, everybody knows lurk 11. Well, I don't know lurk 11. So, whatever lurk 11 was, I guess it was a safety in the hole. Um, uh, Joe knows what lurk 11 is, and that's all that matters. And so, he tried to throw Jamar to a spot where he thought he was going to stop on the slant, and it got tipped by Ward. It was a good play. So, no, I, I, I think. 
If I went back and looked at all of his interceptions, Rick, I'm going to say eight of the 11 are on him. Eight. And that's still a pretty big number nine games in, man, in this league today. That's a lot. Again, I don't hate Joe Burrow. So people are going, you're Joe Burrow. You don't like him. I do love Joe Burrow. He's fine. He's going to be okay. But right now, the interceptions are real and they're a thing. And you can't ignore it. And he can't ignore it. And to his credit, I don't think he is ignoring it. I think he's a little frustrated by it and a little disappointed in himself by it. The pick six at the goal line was something where I think he predetermined where he was going with that ball to Jamar Chase. Agreed. And Chase really ran a good route where it's like you're faking the slant and then going back out to right. the uh, sideline. I thought, I thought Joe was late on the throw. I thought he was late. He was, he and it wasn't inside. a good throw. Yeah, no, and, right. but, but the biggest thing was Ward knew the route. He read it. He right. was right on him. I think that's where Joe had already predetermined. And I think most times you run that route with Jamar Chase and he probably burns the guy. I mean, that's a pretty slick move that, and he pulled it off. Well, it was a fine route, but Ward seemed like he knew it was coming maybe just from watching film and Joe had predetermined. He was going there. Ward jumped it. And then that's why you probably got the bad throw because Joe sees him at the last second. And it's like, ah, a little too late. I'm already in my motion throwing this ball in that direction. Cause it was one of those weird looking throws the way it came out of his hand. So uh, yeah, I mean, those are the ones that are concerning me more. He's had these weird decisions where it's going, what, you know, WTF, where, where is right. that coming from? Where are we going with that thought process? Those are the ones that are a little more concerning. You alluded to earlier when you let off the podcast that a lot of this has to do with Burrow and Chase, especially in this week. Do you think they're forcing that, that yes. issue a little bit too much? Yeah, or do you yes. think that's all they have on offense right now? Um, yes. And I don't know about the second part of your question, but yes, I think he's forcing it too much to chase. Um, listen, I think Joe's a quarterback that does take what the coverage dictates most times. I do. I think he's smart enough to know that, but there's something weird today about Jamar Chase getting 13 targets and six catches and Tyler Boyd. Well, let me even backtrack Jamar Chase getting 13 targets and six catches and Jamar dropping two balls. And Drew Sample getting three targets and two catches. And Samaj P. Ryan getting three targets and three catches. And Tyler Boyd getting two flipping targets. There's something not right with that. There's just not. Again, I'm not here saying Joe doesn't like Tyler Boyd. But I do think he loves him some Jamar Chase. I think he trusts him more than any of those guys. And I get some of that. They're boys. They're teammates in college and all that. But Tyler Boyd's been pretty good in this league for a good chunk of years now. I'm going to trust that cat a little more often. And yes, I do know that people take things away and you maybe didn't have the best matchup you might have wanted out of the slot. And I'm okay with that. I do. I get that. But 13 targets versus two and the fact that Drew freaking Sample was targeted three times and Samaje freaking Pirine was targeted three times and those dudes are targeted more than Tyler Boyd in a game? No, 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 no. That's not right. That's that's not right. It just doesn't make sense because Boyd was used so much last year. Part of that was after Burrow was injured, obviously. But even before that, I mean, Boyd was such a weapon for this offense. For the idea that you would go through a game and he doesn't get at least five targets right. seems crazy to me. I, he's just I'm not saying he's the best receiver in the NFL or anything, but he's a solid solid number three or two if you know depending on how you look at that with him and Higgins and I mean it's weird how he's disappeared from this offense more than just once this year he only had one catch in the Detroit game and only had three targets there 
I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if that's a chemistry thing between him and Burrow. I don't know if that's Zach Taylor forgetting to utilize him within their play calling. I'm not really Zach, sure where the blame goes. Yeah, Zach was asked in the post game. He didn't give a great answer for why that was the case. And he was, it was, I got to watch the film, blah, blah, blah. So it'll be a question to follow up tomorrow. But it does feel weird. And, and some of it was, and it, it's funny, I was talking to a couple guys before the game today. And we were kind of talking along those lines. And I said, you know, the, the funny part is this is not a big diva receiver room. I mean, Jamar Chase is a pretty level-headed kid. And T. Higgins is a pretty level-headed kid. And Tyler, to his credit, he wants to win. God love him. He's a goof nut. And um, uh, he struggles with the King's English a lot of times. But I do like him. And, and um, you know, he he's never complained about lack of targets. And so there's a part of me that wonders if you're Joe Burrow and you're trying to spread it around, I got my use or my, my LSU guy that I trust and you know, T's not bitching and Tyler's definitely not bitching. So I'm going to try to go to my guy that I trust. And the guy you trusted today dropped two touchdown passes and T you trusted a couple times a day. And he dropped a touchdown pass and another deep ball. It was a hard ball. That one that was floated up on fourth down where, uh, you know, T went up and yeah, actually had to stop his route. That. But he could have caught it. He went up and high pointed. It was a great effort. And truth be told, he would probably tell you, and he would probably tell you, he should have caught the football, and he should have caught the football. But the thing back to the whole chase thing is, it's almost like uh, he's my guy, and I trust my guy. I do trust Tyler, but yeah, Tyler's not dynamic. I get this guy going down the field. He's going to make me big plays, and we can't drive the football anyway, so let me throw it down the field. Well, I'm telling you what, 83 makes catches. He doesn't drop much, and he's pretty reliable. And how about we use him a little bit more, dude? Uh, I I think there's something to the fact of he's just not a diva, and it's a good thing in theory, but maybe he should be. I mean, honestly, this is why basically this is why you look at receivers and go, you know what, now I know why these guys bitch, because, hey, dude, I'm a 1,000-yard receiver twice, and you're not going to throw me a ball more than you throw it to some Maje freaking Pirine and to, to <laughs> Drew Sample? Come on, dude. Seriously, seriously, well, you're not wrong at all about that. That's exactly what I was saying throughout the game. Like every time the ball went to P Ryan or sample, I was saying something along those lines, although the language was a bit more colorful at times. Well, okay. Through the first, so, so it's a family friendly podcast, Rick. Come That's on. Right. Now. And I appreciate that about you. You're always very good at censoring yourself. Yeah, I am. I'm close. I'm close. <laughs> the first six games you look at the offense and I don't know exactly what percentage you would assign to it, but a lot of the production was burrow to chase burrow to chase. Yeah. yeah. The last couple of weeks we've seen chase struggle with drops. You know, he obviously could have had bigger games had he not had yep. the drops, but yep. for whatever reason, both on chase burrow and the opposing defenses that are making it a point to roll more double coverages or whatever over to him, he hasn't been able to get off. And all of a sudden the offense hasn't been able to score either as I mean, they scored 31 last week, but it wasn't enough to beat the freaking Jets. No, right, right, right. Um, and they've had their issues. They only scored 16 in this one. So I, I guess that's where I get worried about is Burrow and Chase all they really have, meaning if you take away Chase, can they just not do enough? And if that is the case, then what's that say about Zach Taylor? Because all we talked about coming into this season after they draft Chase was look at this wealth of weapons that you have in, in to work with for Joe Burrow and, and Zach Taylor. And now we get to this point. It's like, that's all they have. You take away Jamar chase and the offense just melts like that. Yeah, no, that's a great comment. And it's a great point. Um, and that's where I go back to the thing I've talked about for weeks. What is your identity? If you want to throw it 60 times 
and go spread and sling it to this guy eight times and this guy nine times and that guy ten times, good, do it. If you want to run it to Joe Mixon 22 times and do play action off of it, do it. It feels like they're just trying to grasp at straws of, we think we do a little bit of this and we'll do a little bit of that. And we'll do a little bit of this. No, what do you do well? And what do you think you do well? I'm a big believer in what you do well is Joe Mixon with Joe Burrow. I've said this, a nine, this will be the 9 billionth, 749 trillionth time I've said this. What you do well is go under center and hand the ball to Joe Mixon running downhill out of a out of a position to come forward as opposed to out of the gun, and then play action and bootleg and do all your stuff off of that. That's what you do well. And Zach Taylor is so stinking stubborn, he wants to show, I've got all these formations and all these cutesy plays, and let's run Jamar Chase on a, on a wildcat, and then on a sweep because he ran it last week, and it was really cute, it was fun, and it worked good. Didn't work good today. Stop being cute. Go win games. Do what you do best. Figure out what you do best. And they still have not done that two and a half years into this cat's existence. They don't know what they do best. They don't think, seem to care what they do best. It's more, hey, let's be cute and fun. And th- No. Dude, Joe Mixon had 56 yards on 10 carries in the first half. I get you were behind. I get it. Then he carries three times for eight yards in the second half. What are we doing? Are you stupid? Are you stupid? Apparently you are stupid, and apparently he is stupid. And so, to me, that's the part of it that really bothers me, of just do what you do best from Jump Street, and it's play action, and Joe Mixon, and boots, and it gets Joe Burrow out of pocket when he's booting, and you don't have to worry about him being in a launch point where somebody clobbers his ass and kills his knee. That's what you do best, and you don't want to believe in that. That's what Sean McVay does best, and you don't want to believe in what you went to a Super Bowl with, you dumbass. <laughs> we <laughs> we've talked a lot about Zach Taylor on this podcast and I've given my opinion on the issues that I've had with his play calling. I agree with a lot of what you just said, but I will also add I came out of this game not feeling as much blame should be placed on Zach Taylor. If you look back to those first two drives, I think those were the best two drives he's yes. opened a game yes. with of his career. Yes. Both Correct. of them were perfect. Correct. They were very Correct. good, they, and they did a lot of the things that I wanted to see, a little bit more misdirection, you know, just changing it up, and you had a nice mix of some run with Mixon, and, and you start off, you even had the second and eight run with Mixon to start the first drive, which I was mad about, then you pick up the, the third and long, fortunately, and, and the drive continued from there, so uh, throwing a pick six on the first and goal from the three is not on Zach Taylor. No. That was no you know, agreed. And, agreed. And, and then the next drive, they march it right back down and score, so this game fell apart with the abundance of turnovers in no the first question. half. No, no question. But I still get concerned overall that this offense has sputtered out the way it has, and it looks like it's as simple in some respects as take away Jamar Chase, and now all of a sudden they can't do a whole lot. No, or hope no, Jamar I, Chase I, I has a bad right. game. No, I think you're right. I mean, it's shown itself the last two weeks. You got you lost the last two weeks, and guess who didn't do much? Jamar Chase did not do much, and that's a problem. You don't drive the ball well, and some of the you don't drive the ball well. Guess who that's on? That's on the play caller. And yeah. who's the play caller? Zach Taylor, and especially Correct. when you've got all these weapons and you have 
defense is paying so much attention to Jamar Chase. You have right. to be able to get these other guys involved. You have to be able to find a way to get Tyler Boyd loose underneath and in the middle of those defenses. You have to find a way to let Higgins exploit single coverage on the outside and use his size. If you can't do that, I mean, even what we've seen them do with CJ Uzama at times, you've got to be able to find those things in the games where Chase is struggling or in the games where the defense is taking them away. And if you can't do that, that is on Zach Taylor. Let, let, let me ask you this question. Do you think Joe Burrow is a really good quarterback? Yes or no? I, I think he's going to be a really good quarterback, and I think he has those tendencies already, but he's also making okay. some mistakes and learning. Correct, cor- correct. Do you think Tyler Boyd's a good receiver? Yes. Do you think uh, T. Higgins is a good receiver? Yes. Do you think Jamar Chase is a good receiver? I think he's elite. Do you think Joe Mixon is a good running back? Yes. Do you think Jamar Chase is a good receiver? Yes, I think he's the lead. Okay. Do you think the offensive line has held up as well as you could hold, let them hold up, right? It's not, this is not an offensive line issue either, right? Correct. Um, I do have, so I do think they are a bit of a problem. I mean, they, okay. Okay. He, he okay, got but hit a lot it, today, but they're, okay, they're not but, as bad as I thought they'd be. Correct. But have they held up well enough? That's well what I enough asked you. for the most well part. Enough. Yeah. So why are we struggling on offense? Why is this team struggling on offense? Yeah, and they've been up and down. They've been they've been inconsistent. Today yes. was a complete meltdown, and I think a lot of it had to do with the turnovers. I know how games get away from a team, and, and on the play caller, he's it, a clown. Is a play caller. He's a clown. One hundred percent, and that's what it goes back to. Because ultimately, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt based on his track record. At this none. Point. You can look around the league today and, and see some of these scores and realize. Things happen in the NFL. Hell, the Bengals went up and kicked the Ravens' teeth in in Baltimore, 41-17, and it was kind of one of those things happen in the NFL moments for Baltimore. Right. No one really bats right. an eye and thinks, right. oh, they suck now, right? But right. if you're Zach Taylor and you're this Bengals team, people see that differently, and especially when you just coughed up a 31-20 lead in the fourth quarter against the Jets in New York. So that that's kind of the issue here for, for this Bengals team and I know Zach Taylor said something about everyone's going to overreact but we're just going to go back to work and get better in the bye week yeah good for you yeah good for you that's well and great but it's not on anybody else for overreacting it's an appropriate reaction to what you've done to this point and the the current state of the franchise you know what I, I hate to channel my inner Marvin Lewis but you know what I know what I see better than I hear, Zach. I see better than I hear. And right now, I don't see much. I I don't see a good football team at the moment. I think it's a good football team. I really do. So I want Bengals fans to understand that I think this is a good football team. But right now, it's not. And so I see better than I hear. And what I see is not a very good football team. And that's on you, bro. Let's wrap it up with this. Do you think this Bengals team is closer to the team that beat the Ravens 41-17 or closer to the team that we saw today that lost to the Browns 41-16? Um, <laughs> this is terrible. I'm going to say in the middle. That's a great, that's, that's, that's a good, great question. No, it's, no I, you it, can't go middle. What, I know, slightly, I know. they're one way or the other at I, least. I, I, you can say slightly, but which side okay, do you okay, think they're okay. closer to in reality? Um, uh, I'm going to go slightly towards the team they were at the Ravens. I really do. I mean, you got just too many good parts, dude. And guess what, Rick? They're healthy. I could tell you the other way if they're not healthy and just go, boy, they tried. and They're just not healthy and they're banged up. They're not banged up. Um, you know, you can argue that Akeem Adenogy for, for Jackson Carmen is a weird move today. I thought it was a weird move, but okay. But the bottom line is they're not banged up. They're, they're, there's who on defense. Are now, listen, Trey Wayne's injury sucks, but they've dealt with Trey Wayne's injury for how long? The whole season, basically the whole season. So it's not like 
oh my gosh, they're missing Trey Waynes. How can they cover these people? Well, they've been dealing with that all year. So I'm going more towards the former where I think it's they're closer to the Ravens win than they are to the last two losses. And that sounds stupid. I guarantee you people are going to tell me I'm stupid. That's fine. But I think they're closer to the former rather than the latter. I do. You know, it's funny because I do too. And after I just said they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt, in some ways I do look at this and let's just say they didn't cough up that Jets game, which I know you can't. That is a big factor in how we're viewing this football team right now. But if they finish that game off, which they were in position to do so, and this game happens, they're six and three, and you look at this game as – Okay, it got away from the turnovers were a disaster in the first half. And it's just one of those things that happen. Look around the NFL. Look at the Bills against the Jags today. That type of situation, right? right? Exactly. And that's how you feel. And you're thinking this team is six and three going into the bye week. This is better than we expected. They have that Ravens win. You feel good about this team despite today's loss. The problem is they didn't close out that game against the Jets. But I do think it was a little more fluky. That you know, some missed tackles, things that you can shore up. Those are things that can be fixed. They've already shown they can play better than that on defense and tackle better than that. So I'll I will give them the benefit out to the extent that it's somewhere, it's definitely in between, but I do think they're a little bit closer to the team that beat the Ravens. And maybe it's just because I've seen what this personnel is capable of now, and I do think they have good enough players. And and, and maybe that's kind of where you leave it is that. This makes it very clear cut for Zach Taylor, in my opinion. If you collapse this year after the way you started and what this yep. personnel and roster showed it was capable of, it's on you, big fella, after year three. Like yep. there's nowhere no, yep. to hide from that. But it's also you proved enough with the first six games of the year and the win at the Ravens and what you showed that you're getting through the year, I think. I, I mean, I, I think he's earned that. Oh, he's, yeah. He's clearly. Oh, yeah. He's getting through, yeah. Yes. Yes. He's getting yeah. through the year. But at the end of the year, if it goes seven and 10 or eight and nine now at this point, Night, night. Have a good day. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair, given some type of other extenuating circumstances, like, God forbid, someone got injured again. Yeah, but even at that point, I mean, you've already, you blew two games. You blew two golden opportunities, and no one should give you a pass for that. No one should. Yes, today was turnover-related and mostly player-related for the most part, but you get no pass for these two losses. I'll give you one maybe, but you get no pass for two. And they should be six and three. And then, you know, you can look at the rest of the second half and then let's, let's judge him. But now at five and four, I'll be honest with you, Rick. And and I wrote it two weeks ago and I'm kicking myself now because I believed I shouldn't have. Um, the expectations did change and they should have changed after the Baltimore win. It shouldn't be, well, you're stupid because you thought they were going to make the playoffs. No, no, they should make the playoffs. They went to five and two winning Baltimore with these two games. The last two games were winnable and you had a chance to go to seven and two and you didn't. Well, that's on the head coach. And so, dude, you best now at this point, I'm telling you, you best make the playoffs. And if you don't, then you should be fired. And if you don't get fired, then shame on the organization. And then fans get mad again and they're done with you. So good luck with that. No, I think that's right. I mean, uh, as much as we talked about how difficult the the back half of this schedule is, we're also to a point, and I still feel this way, that none of these are games that they can't win. They can be competitive against any of the teams left, including the Chiefs who have not looked up to the standard that we thought they would. At home. Right. So, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely the case. It becomes very cut and dry with Zach Taylor and what he needs to accomplish and where you playoffs should stand on him as a head coach. Play, honestly, play, honestly, playoffs are bust. You're at the playoff stage of the program. You got to the point at five and two with two 
dude, you got to admit this, and you'll know you you know that two winnable games. I'm not asking you to go beat Green Bay at Green Bay and go beat Dallas at Dallas or whoever in Dallas lost today, which is a stupid example. But you know what I'm saying? Dumpster fire of a franchise at their home field, and then play a team that was struggling with a quarterback that's banged up in your your field. Yeah. Yes. And, And this is also where you go back to them not being disciplined and well coached enough maybe to pull out the yep. bears and the the jets games yep. if you pull no, both right. of those wins right. off it's a totally different season right that's now. right that's and you right. should have I mean, pulled both of those off no that's right and then finally got your ass kicked today and now you wake up and see where we're at i i'm just not so i'm i'm not so confident in the second half it it, it it this was bad today this was really bad yeah it was like we went through the reset the expectations moment after the Baltimore game and we're right back there again two games later like you almost have to reset the expectations again but i think i like your point that you really shouldn't though the expectation after you start 5 and 2 with the win at the best team in your division's home field should change the expectations we should expect yeah. the playoffs now out of this team it yes. shouldn't fail them no out question. and say oh they're just not that good no yeah exactly right that, that, that that's what anybody thinks otherwise is silly All right. That's all I got. That's all I got. I appreciate it, Rick. We will be back on uh, Thursday-ish, maybe Wednesday-ish. We don't even know where we go. We're we're trying to do this fluidly. We may have some college basketball conversation to get to on Wednesday, so maybe we'll do Wednesday. We'll see. Um, But we'll be back uh, next week with this podcast. Or No, actually, we will not be back because the Bengals don't play. We'll be back in two weeks with this podcast. So uh, please be sure to join in with that. We'll be back on uh, Wednesday or Thursday with our midweek podcast. So anyway... Uh, for Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals post-game edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending.